0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer.
1: Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic live episode of Dream Business Radio. I'm your host, Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of No Hassle Newsletters, host of Dream Business Radio. This is my weekly podcast that I created almost 11 years ago to help you build your dream business by sharing information and great guests like today. This is episode 585. My very special guest is Wayne Mullins. Wayne, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. I'm excited for our chat today.
1: I am also. And um, hey, folks, real quick, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you're an entrepreneur who wants to grow a more profitable business faster, create multiple streams of revenue, and if you want to learn how to charge what you're worth so you too can work just three days a week, then you want to be part of this extraordinary virtual mastermind group led by me, Captain Jim. You can learn more at Dream Biz Coaching, dreambizcoaching.com. That's it. I want to get right into uh, today's show. So I'm going to properly introduce Wayne. Wayne Mullins is a husband, father of four. Wow. Just like me. I thought it's like, that's a big family these days, right? So um, he's an entrepreneur obviously. And he's the founder of Ugly Mug Marketing, which is one heck of a cool name. And uh, he's also the creator of Freelance Accelerator and author of Full circle marketing a wonderful book that I've had to uh, the pleasure of perusing a little bit haven't gone to cover to cover yet because I've got three books I'm launching for my clients so my, my time going turning pages is pretty limited anyway he's an out of the box against the grain thinker and he has more and it has more than paid for his company his clients he leads from the heart and is passionate and unapologetic about doing so as founder and CEO of ugly mug marketing one of the most unique and successful marketing agencies in the world. Wayne has personally trained more than 20,000 marketers, launched New York Times bestsellers, and helped the client grow from $20 million to more than $600 million in less than five years. And he's got a very cool couch in the background. So Wayne, w- welcome to Dream Business Radio. So glad to have you again.
2: Thank you so much, Captain. Uh, you know, as we were chatting kind of before we went live here, uh, I think it's super fascinating that we're in this season right now where so many people are already clocking out and checking out. Yes. And this is a wonderful opportunity for us in business and focused on marketing to uh, really carve ourselves out a little time where we can focus on our business instead of in our business.
1: That's true. And I think besides this time period right now we'll call the holidays, the other one is the summer. So many, oh, I'm not going to promote too much in the summer. People are on vacation. Like, who takes three month vacations? I always look at that as an opportunity. If people are a little less busy, you got more of a, a shot of rising up to the top and getting your message read. I've got a lot of clients who are doing some um, promotions right now because end of the year is has always worked well for me. So anyway, I concur a lot. So Wayne, catch me up a little bit. I mean, you've got you've got a very successful marketing agency, Ugly Mug Marketing. Did you go to school for marketing? Are you self-taught? Did you did your parents put you in school to become a CPA? And you said the heck with that? <laughs> like, what's the background?
2: Yeah. So the background is that I I do have my degree in marketing. However, when I was in school, about to graduate, um, I got turned on to this gentleman by the name of Zig Ziglar, who yes. those listening or watching may be familiar with. And Zig sold me on the profession of selling. So I knew that I wanted to go into sales. So that's exactly what I did after I graduated. And funny thing happened is that as I actually honed my skills, actually, as I got good at this challenging thing called selling, what happened was the revenue I was making for the company kept going up at a pretty drastic pace. And my pay, my salary, my commissions, weren't going up at that same pace. Mm. And so I had this dangerous idea. What if I actually left and went and did something for myself? What if I took my sales skills and went and did something, sold something for myself? And the only other skill I had at that time, Captain Jim, was just simply that I could cut grass, right? Down here in Louisiana, (laughs) the grass season is nine months out of the year. And so I started a lawn and landscape company uh, from scratch, and over the course of a three-year period, grew that into the largest in our region. Oh my and goodness. as a result of that growth, I started actually having other business owners, some of them actually clients of the the lawn and landscape company, come to me and say, Wayne, what are you doing? We've seen <laughs> the growth. We've seen it go from you by yourself in one truck to you and a couple of people to multiple crews, et cetera. What are you doing? And the answer was marketing. We were doing a very unique, very specific type of marketing. And that's what led me back down that path of marketing consulting and ultimately the agency.
1: Very interesting. You know, the whole thing, um, sales and marketing, um, they're they are definitely two different things, but yet they're, they properly, they go, they're conjoined or they should be, right? Um, you and the greatest skill that I think you have, and I'm not not disparaging your marketing chops, but being a rainmaker is one of the greatest things you can be in business. Because <laughs> if you can't close sales, you know you, you're, you're going to be in a world of hurt, no matter how good your marketing is. And to me, great marketing will make it easier for people to close sales. Like, you know what I mean? So, I I, I think you've got the you've got the the double whammy of, of skill sets as far as marketing. So, um, I'm curious about. The, uh, the lawn cutting business. So did you just start out, I mean, with a push mower, did you buy a trailer and a, a you know a big zero turn tractor? What were the early yeah. days of that like?
2: The, so the early days of that were exactly that. I actually launched that, went in, bought a trailer, bought a zero turn mower, all of that stuff. Um, and I was going to make a business out of it, right? This mm-hmm. was going to be my new thing. Um, but you know what's interesting is that I didn't actually view that business as a lawn and landscape company from my perspective we were a marketing company okay and that is the approach and ultimately i believe that is what led to the success that we had in that business was viewing it not as a lawn and landscape company but as a marketing company
1: yeah i um i oddly enough in my early 20s i invested in some sales training i i knew hzeg but By the way, um, through my friend Carrie Wilkerson, known as the Barefoot Executive, I spoke at one of her events, and she had Zig Ziglar come speak there. And as a speaker, I got to meet him with with some of the other speakers and have lunch. And he signed a twenty dollar bill for me. It was literally—I think that was in the same year that he he sadly passed away. But I got finally got to meet him, which was which was quite a treat. and what the heck was I going? Where was I going before my brain kicked into to that mode? Uh, anyway, I want to ask you about your book. Um, I want to ask you so many questions about marketing and 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 sales. Oh, I know where I was going. I invested in a sales training program and just kept ex- expanding on it and going and going and going. And I really believe sales is one of the greatest things. And one of the trainers that I, I was working with, he said, Jim, when you master this, like you're 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 getting really good at sales, it doesn't matter. you could sell literally anything. It could be cars, it could be stereos back in, you know, 70s and 80s. It could be stereos, it could, it could be lawn care. Sales is like one of the most important things. How would you I'm just curious, how would you actually rate sales and marketing? Which one is more important?
2: Yeah, that's a tough question. Um what I would say is this that when marketing is done well, it means that sales isn't required. It removes the necessity for sales. So, in other words, if I position myself or my agency in such a way that you get to the point of wanting or needing to sign for our services, no selling is required, right? Mm. The marketing has done the heavy lifting on our behalf. And so they, they go hand in hand though, right? I, I think that marketing, and this part of what I cover in the book, marketing is really just based on human psychology. And math. That is it. Those two core things. And if you think about cells, cells is the exact same thing. It's human psychology and it's math. And so in that sense, they go hand in hand.
1: What do you mean about math? I mean, you're talking about ROI, the investment versus the the benefit. What's the math part?
2: Sure. So when it comes to marketing, one of the biggest challenges that we see so many entrepreneurs make is this, they they don't hold every dollar accountable. In other words, they know they have to do marketing. They know they need to be advertising or doing these various things. And so they allocate money to those things, but they never take the time to actually hold those dollars accountable. Mm. And what I will tell you is that as you progress in your skills, you learn that you must hold those dollars accountable because one of the core fundamentals, fundamentals of a great marketer versus a good marketer is they know where to allocate their money. And the only way you can know where to allocate your money is to fully understand what is producing ROI versus what isn't.
1: So many things I want to ask you. So I want to ask you about ROI. One of the hardest things today, I think, you feel free to prove me wrong, is the ROI from doing things like social media, whether it's videos or podcasts or, you know, posting Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. How is it possible to actually get an accurate ROI on, uh, if you're doing paid marketing on social media channels?
2: yeah. what is so fascinating about that is is exactly what you're saying. There's so many different channels, and there's so many different things that we can and quote unquote should be doing as marketers. It's like there's no chance for us to really understand what is working, right? And so what happens is we put it all in this big pot. And down here in Louisiana, gumbo is a a big thing, right? It's all these things that go in a pot, chicken and sausage and rice. And, you know, there's all kinds of variations of that. But they all go in this pot. And all we say at the end of the day is, do we believe that this tastes good, right? Do we believe this is producing positive results for us or do we not? And so the distinction that I would like for people to think about is this, that I believe we hold each marketing piece, each marketing campaign to an improper standard. And what I mean by that is we need to look at each individual thing that we're doing in the marketing context. And we need to say, I'm gonna hold this piece accountable for this particular thing. And when we look at it in that granular level, right? when we break it down to say, you know what, my Facebook post or my LinkedIn post, those are specifically designed to do X. And then I can hold those things accountable to X. Does that making sense?
1: It does make sense. You know, sometimes people ask me, well, why are you, you started your podcast in like 2009 or 2010, you're still doing, it, et cetera. Why do you think, why do you still do it? And I think, Why do you think I do do it? (laughs) My podcast is one of the main sources that I connect with a potential audience for coaching members, right? It's been that way for 10 years. I never look at downloads. I never look at the amount of listens. I can point to literally a a, a revenue figure on what my podcast has brought me. And The interesting thing there, Wayne, I'd love your take on this, is from the podcast, I also promote it all over social media. We send it to my email list. Hey, here's a new episode. In fact, I promote the one coming up the following week. I, I then will take the interview like we're doing today. I'll put it on my YouTube channel. So There's all these different Of tentacles, so to speak, that all revolve around the podcast. Is that do you is that what you do you help your clients do that kind of work or
2: absolutely no? I love that you use that analogy of the the tentacles, right? Going out and encompassing all these other things. So if you were to look at a picture of the front of our office building in downtown Alexandria, we have a massive mural of an octopus across the entire front of our building. (laughs) I mean, it's probably you know 60, 70 feet long. In you know, 12 feet high or something. It's mm-hmm. massive. Because that is exactly our approach. We believe that our responsibility as an agency is to ensure that your message is reaching the right people at the right time. And that's exactly what you're alluding to. The problem that we run into is often we become so impatient, right? We we think, well, I'm gonna go post on social media tomorrow, next, you know, next week, next month. And then after a little bit of time, we start saying, well, this isn't working. This isn't working. Let me jump and go do this other thing. And so here's an important principle. Consistency creates miracles. Consistency Hmm. creates miracles. And yet part of it's because of our DNA as entrepreneurs, right? As entrepreneurs, we love the shiny new object. We love the next new thing. And so we don't discipline ourselves to stick with things, to build consistency in each of these platforms, just like you're talking about. I mean, at the beginning of this, you said, I think you said this is episode 585, right? Yes. Consistency, right? That is so super consistent. Most people, if you look around, the ones who complain about marketing not working, the ones who complain that it's not effective are the ones who do 20 episodes, and they say podcasting doesn't work, and yes, they jump exactly. to the next thing.
1: Yeah, in 2009, I don't know if you remember this, but, um, well, let's say 2008, if you want to do videos, you need like a $3,500 camera. 2009, Kodak produced a little flip camera that looks like a pack of cigarettes, little lens comes up. So I bought one of those, and me and a couple of my buddies that were also company owners, marketers, we started doing a weekly video show. Well, about six months later, I'm, I'm the only one still doing it. I did it for five years, only missed um, three weeks and five years wayne and when i started my videos i'm like oh my gosh i got two podcast or two two views hey eh? i got four views well after about a year year and a half i was averaging a thousand views every video so there was a long ramp- up thank god i stuck with it because that really worked for me um but the thing that's interesting to me is um with and i had no idea about the octopus that's like freaking me out a little bit, but, um, is the idea with, with the tentacles is also leverage. So if I produce and record one podcast, like we're doing now, and I put it out all over the place, including live, and then I'll put it out as an audio version. And then I promote it to email. That's, that's leverage, right? I mean, that's really taking an asset and, and really helping it produce an even bigger ROI.
2: Absolutely. I I love that because, Number one, I want to talk about your consistency, right? You talked about it was roughly five years of mm-hmm. you being so consistent before it really took off. And again, it goes back to our temptation often as entrepreneurs to do the next thing, to to jump on the latest social media platform. And what I would encourage you to do is what Captain Jim's great example here is just be consistent in those little disciplines and. Mm. I love the fact that you are leveraging it. You're you're taking it and you're going multi-channel with this one brand asset that you're creating.
1: Um, I want to ask you just just to repeat because I think I got it. Consistency equals miracles. Is that what you said?
2: Consistency creates miracles. Oh,
1: creates miracles. Yeah, w- one of my clients, a great marketer himself, Jeff Herring, is is listening. I know he's probably writing that one down. Consistency <laughs> creates miracles. That is so cool. He's a, he's a uh, content marketer. Anyway, so I love marketing. I love talking with great marketers, but I love business too. How, I, so I got to go back, Wayne. So you went from the lawn care business, which with your marketing and your sales skills, you blew up into a, a big operation. But then people were coming to you, probably some business owners saying, how in the world are you doing that? Is that when you started ugly mug marketing? Did you sell the lawn, the landscaping business or?
2: Yeah, so it was in the course of growing that business that other entrepreneurs started coming to me saying, "What are you doing?" And I started doing consulting. So I still had the lawn care company. I was just consulting on the side, showing them, teaching them exactly what we were doing for our marketing. Um, and then it was actually one year in December that you know I was trying to decide what to do with the lawn care company. Uh, we're in a small region, you know, so the town we're in is forty-eight thousand people. So in terms of growth. The only other option for us was to look at other territories. And the next town, thats the next large town, was about 85 miles away. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't want to spend time on the road going down there, building that same business in another community. So I decided to put the business up for sale. I listed it with a national business broker. Mm -hmm. And much to my surprise, it was the middle of the winter, which is the worst possible time. Um, I actually had a few offers within the first few weeks. And so sold that business and jumped into building an agency full-time.
1: And how did that go? Like, I mean, did how soon was it just a one-man show yourself? And then when did you start adding staff?
2: Yeah, it was, initially, it was just myself. Um, It was probably within the first year or so that I had my first part-time person working for me. And then slowly over the years, I've just grown. Um, You know, I'm a huge proponent of slow growth versus super rapid growth.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And there's lots of reasons we could dive into that, but I believe in terms of a culture and building a great culture that sometimes our ambitions as entrepreneurs cause havoc and cause chaos within the organization. And so I really, really am passionate about the culture within our organization, the culture within our business. And, you know, I believe that two things should be true. Number one, we should have a high performance culture, and number two, we should have a self-accountable culture. Which is in today's world, those two things are often at odds with each other.
1: Right. So, how many people are working for, for at uh, Ugly Mug Marketing now, Wayne?
2: There's fifteen of us.
1: Wow. So at what point did you feel yourself going from, you know, a skilled marketer, a very good salesperson slash rainmaker into having to become a, a leader? You know, you, you, so many times I think people, they have a skill set and they start a business, the business grows. Next thing you know, they're head of HR, you know, they're head of everything, including when they have a team, they have to become a leader to inspire, motivate, keep, attract, you know, staff. Is, how do you spend most of your time right now?
2: man, uh, you know, this, this question for me, I could go down so many rabbit rabbit trails here, but what I would say is that for me, I never believed that I was a good leader or a good manager. Mm -hmm. And some of my very early mentors in this business will tell you the numerous conversations, the hours and hours of conversations that we had around me complaining about hating to lead people, not wanting to manage people, just hating and despising my team, honestly, mm. and it came to this this point where I was inviting a friend of mine to a lunch, and he was at a point in his business where he was deciding to either sell his company, um, it was a fairly small company, he it was him and two employees, or he was thinking about keeping it and growing it up a little bit bigger so that it'd be worth more money. And so I decided to invite him to this entrepreneur luncheon, and we go into the luncheon. And it just so happens that the topic that day was employees. And so we get there and everyone has introduced themselves, the name of their company. And then the question was, how many people work for you? And so we're going around the room and it gets to this person, the most successful in the room. Everyone knows who this person is. This person has about 600 employees at the time and it gets to him and he says, you know, my name is, my company is. And in terms of who works for me or how many work for me, he said, it's roughly half of them. And so everyone bust out laughing and, you know, gets the joke. But for the next hour and a half, the entire conversation was centered around how miserable people were with their teams, how they hated their teams, Mm -hmm. how people never showed up and how they had to always hold them accountable. I left that meeting with this thought that if I don't change my approach to leadership, I'm going to end up just like them. You see, I was already mostly like them. But I knew that's not what I wanted for my team. That's not what I wanted for my culture. And so it was in that moment that I had a decision to make. And that decision was, am I going to be intentional about building an amazing culture? Because before I'd always relegated culture. I'd always put it on the back burner saying, at some point I'll address culture, right? When Mm -hmm. we're bigger, when we're more successful, I'll address it. But it was in that moment that I had to make that decision. And so for me, one of the very first things I had to learn to do was to believe that I could be a good leader and a good manager. And that was the point of transition for me.
1: That's awesome. What a what a great show. Hey, um, I want to ask you about your book, uh, Full Circle Marketing. The the very first line is people assume marketing has to be expensive, complex, and complicated, and they're wrong. <laughs> it's a great opening line. You want to expand on that a little bit?
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you are in any form of business and you look out at the world of possibility when it comes to marketing, you know that there's an overwhelming number of options available. And then when you start diving into how to do the actual things, right, it gets very complex very quickly. And here's what I've discovered is that the problem isn't that marketing is complicated or that marketing is confusing. The problem is we don't have a clear strategy that tells us what to do. So instead, we're stuck running from tactic to tactic, from social platform to social platform, and then we're complaining that none of them work. And it's not that. The reality is that your results that you're getting from your marketing are in alignment with your marketing system. So in other words, if you're getting poor results right now in your business, it's because you have a poor marketing system in place. You mm-hmm. fix that system, you fix that strategy, and you fix the results that come from that.
1: Um, I want to ask you about a couple chapters in the book, but as usual you're giving these great answers to, you know everybody's familiar with shiny object syndrome and i believe that as entrepreneurs we love to build to create we love the chase and the hunt and next thing you know you got something that's taking off you either become bored with it or you happen to build a company and you don't want to be the leader so you go build something else right i think shiny object syndrome is is a real dangerous thing and i think it's getting worse because the the amount of distractions you have even with your phones and everything else um what do you think about that? And, and so I'm, I'm asking that from from two perspectives. Not, not only from leading your your great company, but when when prospective clients come into you, um, and like you say, oh, I tried direct marketing, or I tried direct mail. What'd you do? I mailed a postcard. what did you do after that? Nothing. It didn't work. You know, what? How do you get people to understand the length of time it takes to actually build a brand? big question. Sorry about
2: that. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and it's a challenging question, to be honest. What I would say is this, that um, you know, part of our job is education. Part of our job is teaching and training our clients how to properly think, not just about marketing, but about business in general. One of the most fascinating things to me, Captain Jim, is this, that when people come to us with a quote unquote marketing problem, mm nine times out of 10, marketing is not the problem. Marketing is merely symptomatic of other things that are wrong, other things that are taking place. And it's so often true in our businesses that we believe we have X problem, when in reality, that is merely a symptom of a root cause problem. And because of this this shiny object syndrome, right, where we're looking for the next big thing, we don't take the time. We aren't disciplined enough. We aren't consistent enough to dive into and explore what is the actual root cause of these issues. So long-winded answer to your question, but but the answer is we have to educate them. We have to teach them that this is a multifaceted, right? It's like the octopus tentacles. It's not a one hit wonder. It's going to take consistency and it's going to take consistency in a lot of different areas.
1: It's fascinating. You so chapter. Uh, let's see what chapter was it? Um, yeah, chapter two. The title of it is "There Is No Hope." <laughs> I mean, are these just clever hooks, or what is that chapter about?
2: That ho- uh, That chapter is simply about this: that you know, hope and prayer do not make for good marketing strategies. Right. And it goes back to exactly what you were just saying. I did the postcard. I hoped and prayed it would work. No one responded. Therefore, postcards don't work or direct mail doesn't work. So what happens is we, when we're not strategic, when we don't have a clear, consistent plan in place, we are stuck relying on what I call the hope and prayer strategy. And I'm all for hope and prayer, but they usually don't produce great marketing results.
1: Right. And, you know, something you said earlier, we got about three minutes uh, and I've got 52 questions. So we're going to I'm going to have to beg you to come back at some point, maybe in the first quarter next year. Um, Often when people come and they say, I've got a marketing problem, we're not closing up business. It's really not marketing. It's that your marketing is working. It's either driving people into your store. If you're brick and mortar, it could be driving them to a website. It could be driving them to a phone line. It could be driving them anywhere. And that's where the that's where the big disconnect is. I mean, I've, I've got a long retail background. I'm like, so when things are working and customers come in the store and they're ignored for like five minutes or, is, you know, so sometimes it's not a marketing problem. Do you, do you agree with that?
2: hundred percent. I'll give you one super quick example. We had a restaurant come to us several years ago and they were about to build a multimillion dollar new location. Mm. And they came to us because they had a marketing problem, right? And we went and looked at their online reviews and they were on average rated 3.1 stars out of five. Oh, not good. And so we go into the meeting and we say, look, you don't have a marketing problem. You've got a service. You've got a food quality problem. Until those things are resolved, all the marketing in the world is merely going to put lipstick on a pig.
1: Yes. And they're going to be mad at you because they're going to be investing in marketing. They're going to keep saying it's not working, <laughs> but they're just pissing off more and more people. Wow. Wayne, I hope you will come back some maybe uh, early 2024. We've got a lot more to cover. Really a, a phenomenal show here. Uh, Pre Christmas week. Thank you so much. How can people learn more about you? Is it uglymarketing.com or what's the website you want them to go to?
2: Yeah. The simplest place, ugly dot All of our social channels are there. email addresses, all of that stuff's right there in one spot. And if you go to our Facebook page and look at the very top of our page, you will see a, an illustration or a picture of the front of our building with the huge octopus and all the tentacles across the front of the building. I'm
1: going there. I'm going there <laughs> when I'm done working here today. By the way, where did that come from? Ugly mug marketing. I forgot to ask you that little quick story.
2: Sure the the name ugly mug marketing comes from a quote by the uh, a gentleman of the name David Ogilvy so mm. many marketers are familiar with his name um, David Ogilvy inside his agency had a quote or a saying that was simply this I would rather you bring me an ad that's ugly and effective over one that's beautiful but isn't and so that is our north star our north star is to always be focused on what is effective what produces results and what drives the bottom line for our clients?
1: I certainly learned that. My mentor Dan Kennedy, and and so many others. And um, I helped my daughter get into business ten years ago, and um, so I'm helping her with her, her head, her, the headline for her website, and this and that. And her, her very educated um, husband, who who I love, is a good son-in-law. But he goes, "That's not grammatically correct." I go, "No, it's not, but it's going to bring in more business." <laughs> Uh, I'll never forget that story. Wayne, thank you so much. It was a fantastic interview. Really appreciate your time today.
2: Thank you, Captain Jim. I always enjoy chatting with people like yourself who are pushing ideas forward and encouraging other entrepreneurs. So thank you.
1: Awesome. Hey, folks, uh, c- connect with Wayne at UglyMugMarketing.com. Go go see the picture of the big uh, octopus. I promise I didn't know about that when I asked that question. And you can connect with him there. You can connect with me at GetJimPalmer.com. Again, if you're interested in joining about 24 other smart entrepreneurs in my dream business mastermind, this is the last year to do it. Captain Jim's retiring at the end of 2024, go to dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. This interview will be on uh, YouTube tomorrow. That'll probably be the easiest way for you to share it with your friends because it is worth sharing. You can get free copies, digital copies of all of my books over my shoulders here at uh, Amazon. They're free as Kindle books. They're Nook books at Barnes and Noble. They're also in the iBook store. And until this time next week, nope, let me change what I, I say 585 times. I'll be off next week. So no live interview, but I will return January 3rd with another fantastic interview. So until then, I want to wish everybody a joyous, safe, and happy holiday. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Thank you, Wayne.